All right, good evening, Skull Nation. Um, it's Josh, I'm back, and remember, I'm just another Mike on the Vikes. Definitely not the only one. There's plenty of other great things to listen to, but thanks for joining me anyway. Um, you can find me on Facebook. I have a page by the same name, Mike on the Vikes. That's M-I-C on the Vikes. And MikeOnTheVikes.com is where you can find my written ramblings, but that's actually usually less rambly than the podcast. You'll get a little bit more research, a little bit more structure and organization. Um, you can find me on Twitter at jlime8, and even though I feel like I'm too old, I have started to be more on Instagram, and I have Mike on the Vikes on Instagram. So, however you want to interact, um, I appreciate anyone that does. Um, and then my email, ultimatedrivehome, all one word, at gmail.com. Someday, I'll tell you the story behind the email. Email, basically, I can't change the name, so <laughs> here we are. But anyway, if you ever want to get in touch and uh, disagree, argue, agree, commiserate, celebrate, um, or just talk football... Uh, please let me know. Uh, tonight's podcast is simple, and but I'm not going to say it'll be shorter because as soon as I do that, that means I'm going to talk longer. So we're just going to say it's simple. And the simpleness being, today was the day the Vikings had to finalize their initial 53-man roster. And that's it. It goes for every team in the league. But here at Mike of the Vikes, we only care about the Vikings. So I'm going to go position by position, let you know what I think. Um, there are some decisions that I really liked that the Vikings did and some decisions, of course, that I didn't think were the smartest ones. And then just things that generally surprised me um, where I wasn't, you know, I didn't have a strong feeling either way. And so um, I know for me, this is an exciting time of the year because we don't have preseason football this weekend. So we're still, we have, we're in that dead zone of another week and there will be a lot of transactions. So I should get that out of the way right now. Like this is just the initial 53. Um, once players enter the waiver wire, you know, teams will, you know, wheel and deal, and there might be some trades, um, Vikings-related, actually, that I want, and there's one that I'm kind of hoping for at this point, um, you know, over the next week or so before the season actually starts. Um, so this is just the initial 53, but it's, it's still fun to talk about. It's fun to see how, you know, as fans, we get so excited about the preseason. Um, I'm not going to go into that. You know I hate the preseason. We talked about that last time. Um, and one of the reasons is because, you know, to go from 90 guys to 53, you just feel like a lot of dreams are being crushed and a lot of careers are being stunted. And it's, um, you know, but but that's why, you know, the NFL is so popular. It is the best of the best um, at their best. And um, that's just part of the deal. And the guys that don't make the team, they know that. So I'm sure they are, have the mental fortitude to get by. But um, it's just probably a tough time for a lot of people. So anyway, here we are. The Vikings are down to 53. And... Um, let's just get started right away with the quarterbacks. Um, pretty straightforward here. Kirk Cousins, Nick Mullins, and Jaron Hall, the rookie. Um, actually, I'm a li- not surprised, um, but they did. Uh, the NFL in the offseason did make it easier for teams to keep three quarterbacks, and I really like this for Jaron Hall. Um, you know, obviously, Kirk's our guy going forward, and if, if he misses significant time, you know, this team is, is at a severe disadvantage. I'm not sure we make the playoffs with Nick Mullins or Jaron Hall. Um, you know, say what you want about Kirk Cousins. You know, he is the best quarterback on this roster and our best chance to win, obviously. And so we don't want him to get hurt. But Nick Mullins has always been a good backup. And um, and Jaron Hall looks, looks like he's got a shot to develop into something that can be an NFL quarterback. Um, his stats this preseason weren't exceptional. Um, his completion percentage, percentage was really bad, 54.2. Um, he only threw for 264 yards. And... I mean, he ran for 35 yards on only eight attempts, but those eight attempts felt it felt like there were more than that. And that's kind of my 
you know, not my issue with Jaron Hall. He's a rookie. That's what that's what mobile rookie quarterbacks do. I actually had the privilege of being able to go to the game um, through a friend to get got some tickets to the Vikings Cardinals preseason game. I got to take my son to his first Vikings game. It was really cool. Had a great time, even though it was preseason. Didn't see a lot of the starters, but I got to watch the game live, um, which is always a, a different and better wrinkle in the in the situation. Um, and so I got to see a lot of Jaron Hall, and he does whatever you, whatever young quarterback, inexperienced quarterback does. He takes, he tucks the ball and runs way sooner than he needs to. Um, you know, as a sign of panic, as a sign of, well, I'm not confident I can make that throw, or I'm not developed enough to see that there was a different guy open. And so, you know, it says he had eight rushes for 35 yards. It felt like more than that um, throughout the preseason. But again, that's something you learn and, and you get better from. And so I, I really like that they kept him on the initial 53-man roster because then instead of the practice squad, he's going to be sideline game day, um, being able to to learn from even if McMullins has to go in for whatever reason, he's going to be learn from, learning from a lot of experience in that quarterback room. Um, and, and hopefully just get a general better or a better, better general understanding of the game for when he does get some chances to start um, for us or so another team down the road, if that happens. Um, he does because he does have athleticism. Um, and I think he's got a shot to do, you know, to at least be a, be an NFL quarterback. I'll, I'll leave it at that. So those guys make the team and no surprise that they wave Jordan to Amu. Um, you know, they signed him pretty late into the, to the off season, just as a, you know, we see a lot of those signings for all positions, where, you know, teams are just getting guys in the room, which is, again, why why I was so surprised the Vikings didn't do that with offensive line, right? <laughs> why didn't they just bring in every single guy they could just to see? Because that's what they do at every other position and every other every other guy that signs late on. They're just Everyone's just trying to make sure they do their due diligence to make sure they don't leave a, a starter somewhere out in the ether um, because he wasn't a big, big enough name going into the offseason. So anyway, quarterback's pretty straightforward. Running backs to me is a little bit more interesting. The Vikings only kept three running backs on their initial 53, and I think that's low. Not saying three is not enough. It's plenty, but there's a lot of unproven players in our running back committee, and so it's surprising to me that they went with only three. Obviously, Alexander Madison is on there, and he'll get the start. Kene Nwangwu is also kept, and he'll most likely retain his kick return duties and be a specialty. And then you have Ty Chandler, who I expect to get more carries than Nwangwu and also hopefully more catches out of the backfield. Um, Ty Chandler was probably the more, the most noticeable or most notable running back throughout the preseason for the Vikings. Um, we'll get to some of the other names in a second, but, you know, I – I talked about it in my one of my articles about likes and dislikes of the preseason. I think I talked about it in the last podcast. Ty Chandler is, I don't think he's a starter in this league, but I do think as a guy who can spell Alexander Madison, a guy who can catch passes, I think he has a role on this offense. I think he'll be productive this year, and I think we'll we'll like that. So I love that Ty Chandler made the squad. I'm fine with Nuang Wu and obviously Alexander Madison. But we waived Dwayne McBride, Abram Smith, and Aaron Aaron Dykes. Now, Abram Smith and Aaron Dykes were later arrivals. Um, both had flashes in the preseason, so I, I'm thinking they'll get they'll get jobs somewhere. Um, you know, the Dwayne McBride one is weird to me because you know he was a draft pick, albeit a seventh rounder. And then after we drafted him, and after we signed Alex, or we gave Madison a, a new contract, you know, we brought in Abram Smith, we brought in Aaron Dykes. We kicked the tires on Kareem Hunt. Like it was clear that this team wasn't 100% con- confident in the running back room. 
And so that's it's it's really surprising to me actually that Dwayne McBride got waived. Um, do I think he should have been the starter? No, for sure, for sure not. He has a lot of work to do, uh, but I do think he's a good runner. I do think he's shiftier actually than Ty Chandler, um, just not quite as fast and 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 doesn't have the proven hands out of the backfield, um, which 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 is definitely pr- something that probably factored into it. But as a seventh round pick that had some steam in the offseason and definitely didn't look bad in the preseason snaps he got. Um, I don't think he'll make it to our practice squad, and that's kind of what I'm bummed about. I mean, he only averaged three and a half yards of carry in the in the preseason, but again, you're playing with backup offensive linemen, you're playing with our offensive line, which, especially if the backup was bad. Um, he had two touchdowns, um, you know, 20 carries for 70 yards isn't exciting, even in the preseason, but again, it's the preseason, and he looked he looked the part, he, he had some decent runs, I'm very surprised to see Dwayne McBride waved, and I just hope that no one picks him up because I think he's a guy in our – if we only keep three, you know, our running backs on the practice squad are going to have to be ready because they might get called upon. And so it'll be interesting to see what, what happens going forward. I'll be paying attention to that to see if McBride makes it through waivers and makes it onto the practice squad. I think we'll definitely sign him there. But I, I have to imagine there's a team out there that wants a little bit more depth and is willing to give a guy that was drafted – um, another shot. So, um, Abram Smith and Aaron Dykes were, were both, they looked good, um, for a preseason and I hope they find a job somewhere else. I'm not super hurt that they are not on the team anymore. So the three running backs, Madison, Wongwu and Chandler, and then Dwayne McBride is the surprise here and a little bit puzzling to me. You know, again, I'm not, I don't want to put him in there for 15 touches a game in the regular season, but if I'm the Vikings, front office I must really dislike him for some, not like him as a person but you know what I mean like I must really be confident he's not going to turn out because I just don't see him making it to the practice I could be wrong and if I am that's great but um you know I, I think we've seen the last of William McBride in purple at least for the time being um fullback one of course the um incomparable that's not what that's not what I wanted to say I'm trying to give him a better intro but CJ Ham is the man and we're all happy he's back and even though fullback is kind of a, you know, it's kind of ancillary. It's an ancillary position these days. No one, no one goes out of the way to make sure they have a good fullback, or at least, at least it's not talked about because it's a boring position and it's people don't think it's that, um, that important. But um, I did a, a post on him last year in the off season with um, Stadium Stadium Rant website I used to write for, and they, and I wrote about CJM. It's just he's like your your ultimate locker room guy. Um, he's from Duluth, Minnesota. He's uh, a bruiser. He blocks really well. He's a, he's a great special teamer. He does all the little things. He's just a team guy. He's a culture guy. Um, he, you know, he may not be the one that takes the team to the next level per se, but he's a guy that writes the ship. He's a guy that, that keeps, uh, you know, keeps the culture where it needs to be. Um, I th- in that post I wrote, I, I embedded a video of him mic'd up one night, you know, just chatting up with the guys on the sideline. And, you know, it's probably one of those guys where if you asked other teammates, they would say, yeah, everyone likes CJ Ham. Of course they do. And so I'm glad he's back on the team, even though I know it's not the most important position. He will block well for Madison. He'll get a couple one-yard touchdown runs this year. You know, and his hands are fine. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to be super dynamic and, you know, break 10 tackles once he gets a screen pass. But, you know, if he has to line up at tight end or motion out of the backfield and, and catch a short pass, like he's capable. He's not a liability necessarily. He's just not it, and not exciting. So CJ Ham's back on the squad as 
um, as we're reminded that some things are, or think some things should never change to keep the world in its right place. That's not how I wanted to say that, but welcome back, CJ. You deserve it. <laughs> okay, I got to move on before I blunder any more of my speech there. Um, let's get to receivers, where the Vikings, I think, have a really deep room. Um, we have the the obvious Justin Jefferson, KJ Osborne, Jordan Addison trio. Um, you know, everyone was assuming Addison was going to come in and take Thielen's role, and he's looked amazing in preseason and in, and in the reps he's, that everyone's posting about. Um, but I think it's smart to go with KJ Osborne at wide receiver two. He's got more experience. He's got more rapport with Kirk Cousins. He's got the rhythm down. And then there's just not as much pressure on Addison. Like down the road, we'll look at Addison and say, you're a first-round pick. What have you done for us? But, I mean, for the first half of his rookie season, I think it's a great situation to have two proven guys. And when one of those is the best receiver in the league, like there's going to be no pressure on Jordan Addison. He's going to be able to focus on his routes, his roles, um, and then he'll he'll make the plays when they come, and then defenses won't know who to guard. It'll be great. Um, Jalen Naylor, a draft pick from last year, made the squad. Brandon Powell was brought in. And then Jalen Rager rounds out the six receivers that we um, that we kept. And there are some names of guys that I thought did well in preseason but probably didn't have much of a chance anyway. But Tristan Jackson, it's T-R-I-S-H-T-O-N. That's why it's hard for me to say Tristan Jackson, is a second-year receiver. He was part of the reason I hate the preseason last year is because he was a rookie that I thought made just made smart plays, made explosive plays. But I, you know, back of my mind I was like, he's not making the team this year. It seemed like he was kind of on the uh, kind of on a fringe player and could have maybe. And I bet he was I, okay. I probably I have no real evidence to this, but in my eyes, if we didn't keep Rager, we would have kept Tristan Jackson. I just think that. When he play, like he, he didn't do anything amazing in the preseason. He had like three catches is all. But when you see him make his catches, he's running the routes correctly. He's in the right spot. His hands are sure. It's not bobble. He looks like an experienced receiver out there. Um, and I just think we just have too many guys in the room right now. And so um, I'm a little bummed by that. I do think he's another one, like kind of like Dwayne McBride, where I'm worried he's going to get picked up. Um, you know, we got him from a, I think we got him from the Rams last year in the off season because he wasn't one of our draft picks. I'm not even sure what his draft status was. I have to, I'd have to go back and check, but either way, um, bummer that he's not going to make it. And so if he goes somewhere else, I really hope the best for him. Um, because he's one of those guys that, you know, you start to feel for when you watch him preseason, you're like, this is a guy that if I'm the GM, I'm finding a way to get him on the team. Um, you know, so I guess for right now, the perfect scenario for me, there are some rumors right now that. Teams are are calling Kwesi about the uh, about the availability of Jalen Rager. Um, so I think there's we traded for, we got him from the Eagles last year in a trade. He still is explosive. He, Rager looked good in the preseason too. I'm not mad that he made the team by any means. I think especially as like a gadgety receiver, you know he was drafted in the first round, so you're going to call him a bust. But if if that first round talent is our wide receiver four, five, or six, like you know, that's like house money there almost that you're playing with. And so I think Jalen Rager is fine to be on the team. I'm, I'm happy to have him if he's if he's being productive and he seems locked in this year. But I'm wondering, you know, in my in my big, you know, Kevin O'Connell, Quasi, you know, tactical mind, I'm thinking, so maybe if they put Jalen Rager on the team, 
the other the league the other uh, front offices in the league are going to see that and say, oh, this team values Jalen Rager, and then they have to pay more. We're planning on trading him anyway. Now we get that better value. Then we can just pull up Tristan Jackson from the practice squad and make you know Mike on the bikes happy because <laughs> that's what I would wish for it to happen. I don't think it works that way. Um, like I said, I'm not even sure Tristan Jackson is going to be going to be around. I think uh, there's there's probably enough teams out there that would want it. I, I, but but again, like wide receiver is such a big popular position right now. I feel like lots of teams have have pretty de- uh, pretty deep wide receiver rooms. So it'll just be a team that's you know been been hit with the injury bug already. Maybe that'll look look his direction. So anyway, six receivers for the Vikings: Jefferson, Osborne, Addison, Naylor, Powell, and Rager, and then. Um, Mike on the Vikes is sad that Tristan Jackson didn't make the team, but he also knew that was a long shot. So um, he will stop talking in third person. I will move on to the tight ends that the Vikings kept, and they kept four. And I think this is one of the ones that I really agree with um, a lot. TJ Hawkinson was an obvious one. He's one of Kirk's safety blankets. I know everyone's saying it. Like if you're on Vikings Facebook groups, you would see that everyone's – you know, kind of mad at Hawkinson for wanting to, he said he wanted to reset the tight end market with the new contract. And he's, you know, some people are starting to call him like a little, you know, he's got that, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, like stuck up attitude or arrogance of a star receiver that just, that, you know, is going to whine about things like it's paid. I don't think it's at that point yet. And honestly, I do think he's one of the better tight ends in the league. So I, I pay him. What are we waiting for? Get, get JJ's deal done. Get Jefferson paid. Make him the best or the most high or the highest paid wide receiver, and then tell TJ this is what we can give you, and and go from there. Because um, he he was he came in instantly, barely knowing the playbook last year, and and made a huge impact on our offense. And I think you know surrounding Kirk with all of these guys that he has rapport with is so important, which would makes people think of this team as having an offense that can compete this year. Um, at least it does for me. I know that. Um, Josh Oliver made the team. That's not a surprise. Uh, we signed him for three years, 21 mil from Baltimore last year um, as a blocker, which we all know we need on the offensive line is extra blocking, but he's got some pass catching chops and he's, and you know, I think the first, first or second, or one of the early couple reps I saw of him in the preseason, I was like, did we overpay for this guy? Obviously overreacting in the moment. Then the rest of his reps, I was like, yep, he's got it. He's, he's a huge, huge individual. I'm not going to look up his measurables because you're going to say, well, lots of people are probably that tall in that weight. <laughs> but Josh Oliver looks like someone who's bigger than other people. Um, you know, talking about great analysis, right? <laughs> but I think he's, and I've, I've written about this, I think Josh Oliver is going to be one of the more underrated moves we've done in the offseason outside of draft picks and any, any other splashy things we do. Um, we're gonna. I, I think we're gonna look back and say this picking up Josh Oliver was a savvy move because I think he's gonna help in the run game. He's not a pass catching liability, um, and our offensive line needs help. So, so there's that. And then we have Johnny Munthy, um, a very solid Kevin O'Connell tight end guy. And then Nick Muse made the team, uh, rookie last year, made the team this year. He he was one of the more talked about preseason Vikings. Uh, Vikings this year in the preseason, um, and rightfully so. He had seven catches for 72 yards. He That's actually second um, in terms of receptions. Actually, and yardage. Yeah, second in both categories for the Vikings this preseason. And again, it's preseason. Um, his TD catch was really nice, kind of a back shoulder, showed he had the athleticism. I saw him knock some people over in the, in the run game as a blocker. Um, sorry, I'm adjusting my microphone here. Um, 
And so I think I think he made a strong case for himself. And I, you know, I wouldn't have actually. You know what? I would have I would have had a lot of questions if Nick Nick Muse hadn't made the team. I mean, if Christian Jackson was the was the other one, then sure. So I, I guess I can't even say that. Um, you can never analyze the stuff until you know exactly who they pick. Um, but no one's going to look at Nick Muse making the team and say, "Ooh, why did they do that?" Everyone's going to be like, "Yep, he earned it. He did it." Um, and so now our tight end room is is top to bottom very strong, and I think. You know, it's it's so strong that I don't want to wish injury on Hawkinson or anything. But if we if there is a contract issue or if there is an injury to one of these guys, like I think we we have really good tight ends, so we don't have to worry uh, too much about that. All right, offensive line, obviously Christian Derisaw, one of the best tackles in the league. We need him; he's there. Ezra Cleveland back from last year. Garrett Bradbury, the ultimate, could be good, could be bad player still, like four or five years in. Um, but obviously he was going to make the team Ed Ingram second year. He still needs to show me something, but, um, you know, at least there's continuity there. And then Brian O'Neill at right tackle. Um, and I, I mentioned this in, in my last episode as well. Our offensive line is good as from a starting standpoint. Um, but like anything these days in the NFL, you need depth. You need guys that can pop in and fill multiple positions. You need guys that can come in. So your offense doesn't miss a beat. Because there's no way your five starting offensive linemen are going to go through the season perfectly without injury. I mean, it's it's happened before, but it's usually then talked about as a pretty impressive stat. It doesn't happen often. Um, Austin Schlotman made the team backup center. He looked ugh, sketchy in uh, the in the preseason. Blake Brandle was made the team. Blake Brandle made the team. He also looked sketchy, but he's listed as a guard. He played a lot of tackle in the preseason, so. If he remains a depth piece at guard, I think Brandel's fine. Nothing exciting. And then our backup tackle is uh, Ole Udo. You know, he's been with the team like five, six years. I saw him walk out to do the coin toss when I went to the game. He's he's must be a really good locker room guy, and he must be a great person. And I feel really bad saying this, but I have not seen him do anything to make me want to keep him on the team in the past few years as, a, as an offensive lineman. Um, you know, he's – like I said, five, six years in, like this is make or should have been make or break time by the NFL's timeline. Like we should have a guy that we know we can plug. Even if he was a backup, we should know we could plug him in with confidence. And right now his preseason was, was marred with silly penalties and, and giving up pressures. And so um, you just can't have that if you're a team that wants to contend. And so I'm, you know, I'm trying to be nice here because obviously I'm not an expert on everything, but Oliudo does it make a lot of sense? Well, it makes sense because no one we the guys we waived um, shouldn't have made the team either. Um, and then we traded Vidarian Lowe, second year guy, I think, to New England. And our Chris Reed we picked up last year is 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 injured, uh, but it's non football uh, related injury. Um, so so out of what we had, yeah, I guess it makes sense that you keep Oliudo there. But does that make me feel excited about our offensive line? No. Do I still think we should uh, look at Dalton Risner? I still haven't seen if he got signed anywhere. Um, do I think um, – and maybe this is something that they're, you know – well, like I said, this is the initial 53, and, and you know, I have to think that O'Connell and Kwesi Adolfo have a plan. You know, they'll wait and see who enters the waiver wire, and they'll probably jump on someone that maybe they had intel that wasn't going to make the team that they like. I don't know. I just want to do something. Can we just do something? I mean, trading low is fine because we got a pick for it. Um, I'll be at a sixth rounder, I think. But, um, you know, if our starters stay healthy, we're fine. But if our starters get banged up or 
if any of these backups have to play for an extended amount of time, we are going to struggle because Kirk is not mobile. So um, one of his deficiencies is that he's not going to outrun any any D linemen to get to break out of the pocket. So anyway, <laughs> that rounds out the offense. Um, again, most of it's pretty expected. Um, I mentioned the ones that were surprising to me or ones that I disagreed with, but um, pretty expected a lot across the board. Um, as we move into the defense, um, on the defensive line where Dean Lowry got for the Packers, he made the team, of course, Harrison Phillips and Ty- Kyrus Tonga from last year. Like to see that. Liked Harrison Phillips a lot last year. Kyrus Tonga made some plays and some splashes. I think he'll be a great rotational guy. Jonathan Bullard, totally fine with him. And then our fourth, was it fourth? No, fifth-round draft pick, Jaquil and Roy. Jaqueline Roy. Um, Got to figure out how to pronounce that name. Sorry, buddy. Um Obviously, you like to see your draft picks make the team. That's why seeing Dwayne McBride not make it was a little alarming, even though it was a seventh router, right? You like to – I mean, it's not a perfect uh, perfect situation, but you like to think that the guys you draft are going to make the team. That's just kind of how it all works. But anyway, we have those five guys. Those will be the interior defensive linemen. Um, we have Ross Blacklock getting waived, which was a little bit interesting because we traded for him last year, but – None of the other names I'm I'm all that surprised or worried about. I do think our line needs some help still, um, especially on the interior, because losing Dalvin Tomlinson is not an easy void to fill. But um, the guys that we kept, I think, are all capable players. And if, if Jaqueline Roy can be a an impact player from the get-go, or at least pretty early on, um, I think we'll be in we'll be in decent shape there. Because um, our, our edge rushers are good. I like our edge rushers. I love the Marcus Davenport pickup and obviously Daniil Hunter. DJ Wanham's a guy I've liked for years. You know, he's not DJ Wanham. And then Patrick Jones, a second. Those two guys last year for sure, but even Wanham for a few years now. The guy the guy that you that come that every now and again he'll have a game where he'll come in, make a huge couple impact plays um, as a rotational guy. You know, if, if DJ Wanham was our number one edge. I think we have a problem, but as a rotational guy with fresh legs, you know, coming in, making, he, he usually, he usually shows up or you usually hear his name from the announcer um, when he's in. Uh, and, and, and so I, I've always really liked him as a player. What I think is a little surprising here is Andre Carter, the second, he was one of our undrafted free agents. I'll get to the other one in a second. Um, he's the edge rusher from army that I had seen most mocks sending or having him drafted in the second round. And so having the Vikings pick him up as an undrafted free agent did seem like the biggest steal of the draft. Um, I don't think he, he didn't play a ton in the preseason. I'm trying to see if I can find, I mean, he played in all three games. He had, you know, seven total tackles and that's about it. Um, yeah, he didn't do much um, stat-wise, of course. But even when I saw him, I didn't see a second-round pick. So why? I, I'm th- I, basically, I, it made sense to me that he wasn't drafted early. He was, I think, he was battling a little bit of an injury. Um, but he is a monster, and I think they're betting on the athleticism, being able to kind of mold that. And so I, I'm totally fine with it. I, well, calling it a surprise because. I suppose he wouldn't have – well, I mean, he was undrafted. Sorry, I'm thinking out loud now. <laughs> I'm trying to think if he would make it to the practice squad because if that's the case, I think he would be better served there to get a little bit more developed before he hits prime time. But um, they're, I think they're betting on the athleticism because he is he is a 
you know, he is a high, highly athletic player. I think I'm also just a little bit bummed because Luigi Villain, um got waived. He was he made a lot of plays, and he did that last year. He's like the Tristan Jackson of the defense for me, Luigi Villain, if you haven't looked up his name. You know, a guy that may be a little bit undersized. Maybe he's not ever going to be a Hall of Fame starter, even a Pro Bowl starter probably, but the guy that you'll always root for, he'll come off the bench, he'll do everything that you need him to do um, at, at a pretty solid level. So, um, you know, I think, you're, you're again, you're going for upside here. And I guess assuming Davenport and Hunter stay healthy, Wanham and Pat Jones, like, you know, Andre Carter could, could get in and make some plays, but he won't be expected to do a whole lot. And I think maybe that's what they're thinking. They just want to get him better and better this year to see what where he can go, where that upside leads. So I'm not going to be too upset by that. But anyway. Um, the other linebackers is where we find our other undrafted free agent. He's the only one worth talking about. No, I'm just kidding. But really kind of is because Jordan Hicks is back from last year. He's a tackling machine, but he's also a liability all the time. <laughs> one of my bold predictions that I wrote about last week was that Ivan Pace Jr. is going to lead this team in tackles, and that might be the case because he went from undraft free agent. He's been running with the ones. All the reports out of camp are that he is going to be a starting linebacker for the Vikings. So what a story. Um, but I think most people are thinking that he'll be taking Brian Asamoah's spot or draft pick from last year because Asamoah has been kind of dealing with an injury. Um, and so, but I think he might out tackle, <clears throat> excuse me, lead the, or not might. This is my bold claim that he, that he leads the team in tackles over Jordan Hicks just because he's looked really, really good. If you were if you're able to catch any of his action in the preseason, you would have seen a rookie that looked like an eight-year veteran linebacker. Um, he wore the green dot. He was directing traffic. He didn't look phased at all. He never looked like he was trying to figure out where he was supposed to be. He just looked like a guy that had been playing forever. Um, and then he was in on like every tackle. He was fast. He was overcompensating for being a little bit smaller, I think, and that probably is why he went undrafted. But again, he has another name that was being mocked way earlier. So I think, you know, what I'm learning through this whole process is that fans like me, analysts like me and other people, you know, people smarter than me that I follow and <laughs> learn from as well. Um, I think we know things. I think we know better than GMs. Is that too bold of a claim? It could be. Um, but anyway, my bold claim was he's going to lead the team in tackles because, you know, I think right now the assumption is that he might usurp or not usurp. He might take the starting spot uh, based on injury from Brian Osamoa and be him alongside Hicks. And so Hicks has, has been a tackling machine for years. It's one thing he can hang his hat on. He's always over hundred tackles. He's always um, doing his job there. He's just not great in coverage all the time. And um, last year he didn't look great, but again, last year we didn't look, just didn't look in general with that Donatel. So I'm not going to turn this into a Jordan Hicks bashing session. Um, but I just think Ivan Pace is that guy that he's going to demand to be on the field. He's going to be around every play to make the tackle. So it doesn't matter what side the ball is going to go to. I think Pace is going to find his way there. And I think this it's he's going to be one of those stories that gets talked about throughout the season because he's, you know, He's just splashed so hard, and, and 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 I think he's one of those guys that's going to have the uh, you know the cliche chip on his shoulder, right? He thought he should have gotten drafted, um, and and wasn't. So he's the Vikings are the team that gave him a chance. So he's gonna he's gonna ball out for us. I'm very excited for Ivan Pace Jr. as all of School Nation is, I'm sure. 
Um, and a second year Brian Osamoa is exciting too, to be honest. Uh, he looked, he flashed last year. He's so quick. He's so fast. And if he can play big enough, because he's also a little undersized, um, I think that we have a bright future because Jordan Hicks is getting a little bit up there football wise. And so Brian Osamoa and Ivan Pace is a nice little inside linebacker combo there for sure. And then the fourth, the fourth one we kept was Troy Dye. Um, Vikings fans know him as a really solid special teamer and, you know, can make some plays in, you know, in spots of opportunities and reps, but probably not the best if he was, ends up as our starter necessarily, but I'd love to see a little Troy die on the squad. Um, Troy Reader had his contract terminated, but that was the only one that was kind of surprised that we didn't uh, maybe keep just because I felt like when he come, came in, that was a little bit of a name recognition for me. I think we got him from the Rams, and I thought that he had been pretty productive. Um, but clearly I didn't do my research because he just didn't make the squad. Um, the cornerback room is going to be where people find our weakness if they don't if, – if they can accept our defensive line as good enough. I think the cornerback room is where people are going to – say this team is going to get exploited again. Our defense was terrible last year, terrible against the pass. We lost Patrick Peterson. Um, even though he's getting up there in age, he was the savvy veteran that, you know, he'd get beat every now and again, but he also made tons of plays for us. Um, Andrew Booth Jr., tons of people still don't like what they've seen from him in preseason, even though he was one of our high draft picks last year. Um you know, Makai Blackman had he had a super good rep in um, I think it was the second preseason game. He was just step for step with the guy. He went up at the right time. He turned around to look at the ball. It was just the perfect coverage rep, I thought, or, or about as perfect as it could be. Um, but I didn't see enough of him. I'm not sure how many snaps he even played in the preseason. Let me see if I can find out quick. But either way, um, you know, you kind of got you knew early on that he was making the team. Um, he just looks like he's ready to contribute. Yeah, he only played in one uh, one of the games and had one tackle. So um, not a ton of tape on him from preseason, but that's fine because they drafted him relatively high. He was a third-round pick, and he, he looks like he'll be good on the team. Obviously, Byron Murphy made the team. We brought him in um, coming from Arizona last year, and um, he's looked really good in the pe- reps that people are posting from camp on Twitter. Caleb Evans is my guy from now a couple years. Um, if he can stay healthy, I like what he can contribute. And then Najee Thompson, another undrafted guy, um, made some really big plays. Um, his most notable play was a really nice stop on a punt return um, on special teams. So I think he'll start out on special teams. But with only five guys in the CB room, um, I think they're probably all getting some run this year. So they better be ready. <laughs> um the one surprise, I think, was that the co- contract of Joan Williams that we got from the Patriots was terminated. And that one was a little bit weird to me because we got him from the Patriots, and the f- first few things I saw out of camp was that he was just – he was kind of catapulting himself up the de- depth chart. It looked like he was making the necessary plays, and not just the necessary ones, but like showing out like a – like a guy that was going to stick around. Um, so that one was a little bit interesting to me. Um, but the other guys that we cut, they're not they're not as notable. So we're running with five cornerbacks, and I think the reason the front office is okay with this because our other deep position, I think our wide receivers are deep and our safeties, and that's what um, all the talk has been about lately as well. We kept six safeties that I'm assuming now are going to be 
you know, playing a lot of nickel corner to help out with that, you know, maybe thinner uh, corner room. But obviously Harrison Smith is back uh, with the experience to go alongside of Cam Bynum, who had some really nice moments last year. Josh Metellus is one of my favorites as a guy I root for because we have the same first name, so naturally. No, <laughs> Uh, but he he worked really hard last year to make the team and then made the most of the chances he did get in actual game action. So Josh Metellus is now kind of a, you know, he's become a, a, a steady guy in the back. Lewis Seen, who some people would say they don't like what they've seen. I, I think he's always going to be kind of a boomer bust type of player, and that's why I love Lewis Seen because he's always going to hit somebody really hard. He's always flying around the field. He's just going to get burned a lot because he's always flying around the field trying to hit somebody really hard. Um, but I like the balance of the the savvy Harrison Smith with the you know the youthful exuberance of Lewis Seen, if that makes sense. I, th- I think that's a good balance, and under under a really good, really elite defensive mind like Brian Flores, I think those guys can thrive. Um, and then Jay Ward um, put an exclamation point on his preseason with that sack on Clayton Toon. He just demolished him. Um, and so, you know, that was a highlight play, but he's looked decently outside of that as well. And so Jay Ward's one of our draft picks that'll, that'll make the team. And then Theo Jackson's the sixth safety. And so six safeties and five corners seems like the wrong kind of balance, but I think, you know, with, with, with Flores, he's going to have safeties play some nickel corner. He's going to have these safeties do a lot of blitzing. And so I don't, I don't think it matters as much what the what the position abbreviation is by the by the player's name as much. So I'm not going to stress about only having five corners, especially since you know four out of the five are unproven, <laughs> basically. So I'm, you know, but those of you that know me um, or talked to me before the draft know that I wanted to take some of that elite cornerback talent in this year's draft. So I think what I'm doing is trying to talk myself off the ledge right now. <laughs> I keep saying I don't think anyone should worry, but deep down I'm kind of worried about our cornerback room. But I just think that the balance with or the the coaches did this on purpose. They'll know which guys to use or, or which guys to use when, and I think they'll they'll lean on the the depth of the safety room to to help out that that corner spot. So um, so anyway, we'll see how we do there. And then our specialists are the same as last year. Uh, we got uh, Andrew DePaula snapping to Ryan Wright, our punter, and then Greg Joseph is is you know, winning games for us for, with last-second field goals. So that is your initial Vikings 53. I'm not going to read all the names again. Um, and, again, if you've been following the Vikings offseason, most of it's not super surprising. I would just kind of go back and reiterate that Dwayne McBride not being kept is is surprising. Probably the most surprising one on here. If that, Yeah, I think that actually might be. If I had to pick one thing that surprised me most about the initial 53 – yeah, I think that's actually it. I think it's that um, maybe that Jawan Williams thing I kind of said at the end with the cornerbacks. I don't, but but I mean, Dwayne McBride, seventh round draft pick, who didn't look bad. Um, he didn't look great, that's for sure, but he didn't look bad in the preseason. So I, I'm I'm not sure if they know something, if they didn't like what they saw, different than you know their eyes are better than mine, I guess. So I guess we'll we'll let that go. But otherwise, pretty st- standard fifty three. It's just the initial one. We'll see what uh, what things happen over the course of the next week as we um, are without football for one more weekend of, or without NFL football for one more weekend before week one finally kicks off and the lions are going to lose to the chiefs to give us a heads up or a step ahead or a head start. What am I trying to say? 
head start on the on the on winning the NFC North for the second consecutive year. So um, let me know what you think about the initial 53. Um, hit me up on Twitter at JLime8. Email me ultimatedrivehome.com or ultimatedrivehome at gmail.com or find me, Mike on the Vikes, on Facebook. Uh, go to that page and we can get a, get a chat going there. But um, I'd love to hear what you think because I know that my opinions are just my opinions and I don't know. Uh, I don't know the best of everything here. And then one last thing before I let you all go, uh, I appreciate anyone that took the time to listen to this. I did keep it relatively short. I mean, it's going to be under an hour, so that's kind of impressive. Um, stay tuned. You, if you want to, if you need to hear my voice again, you just want to or need to, uh, please tune in tomorrow. I'm getting together with my buddy Simon from the Simon Short Podcast. Um, he's also part of the Stat Sheet Podcasts. Two very good. Very good sports podcasts focused primarily on football, but also with other things, among other things. Um, he and I are going to take a look at the power rankings of the NFL teams heading into the season. And, uh, you know, aside from the obvious one that the Vikings will be one, of, I'm just kidding. I'm going to be, I'm going to be very objective, I think is what the right, it's always, always get objective, subjective mixed up. No, I'm going to take a very analytical approach to what I think the teams, how they did last year, Going into the offseason, where I think they're at, and kind of we're gonna we're gonna debate how the team should be ranked, um, and that's gonna be something we do throughout the season. So if, if that's something that interests you, um, definitely tune in tomorrow as well. And I don't know if it'll be posted tomorrow, but we're gonna record it tomorrow and go from there. So either way, again, appreciate anybody. Excuse me, that took the time to listen to this, and um, we have our team. Let's see if we can uh, scroll all the way to the bowl, baby. Have a good night, folks. This has been Mike on the Vikes.